0: Hey everyone, how you going? I'm Andrew. I'm one of the ministers here at Menai Anglican Church, and wherever you are, uh, thanks for joining us and tuning in today. We're going to be looking at our next topic in our life-changing series, and it is evangelism. Now, big word. What does evangelism mean? It means sharing the good news about Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, well, why is this in our life-changing series? We've been looking at spiritual disciplines and habits like prayer and meditation and confession, isn't evangelism more of a one-off event where I build up the courage to tell my friend about Jesus or where I build up the courage to invite my friend to church? And it is that, but it's also more than that. When I was at Bible college, I was lucky enough to study Evangelism 101 with Sam Chan, the Jedi Master of Evangelism. And since then, he's released this book, which is based on that course. And also recently, he did a six-part podcast. And if you want to know more, check them out. Uh, They're excellent. Start with the podcast. There's heaps of helpful tips in there, some of which I'll mention today. But the overall message of the whole series is this. Evangelism is more than a one-off event. It's a lifestyle And Sam uses this illustration to explain. Every New Year's Eve, we all make the same resolutions. This year, I'm gonna eat less, I'm gonna exercise more. And so we do, for a couple of weeks, a couple of days. Now we're getting up early, we're exercising, we're going to the gym, we start a diet, but it never lasts. Why? Well, because all we've done is just try to shove a whole lot of extra stuff into an already busy, and full lifestyle, and it's just not sustainable. Which is why a personal trainer would say, if you wanna get fit, then your lifestyle has to get fit. It's a lifestyle change. And it's the same with evangelism. It's more than a one-off event where I ask myself, well, how can I tell someone about Jesus? It's a lifestyle change where I ask myself, how can I live an evangelistic lifestyle which will naturally create those opportunities to talk about Jesus. At the end of our Bible reading, which we just had, we see Jesus' own priority for evangelism. He says, like a doctor, Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to save sinners. But what I wanted to point out is actually before that, Jesus meets Levi And in that culture, Levi's a sinner, right? He's a lying, cheating tax collector. And yet Jesus came to save sinners. So Jesus goes to Levi. And we don't really know what goes on in that conversation, except that Levi walks away from it as a follower of Jesus. And then the next scene, it's a party at Levi's house, right? All the boys from work are over. Uh, His tax-collecting sinner mates, they're around. Possibly it's a Friday night standard thing. But what's different now is that Levi's met Jesus. And so now he brings Jesus along that his friends might meet Jesus too. And what we see here in Levi is just a great little example of a life changed by Jesus and now a lifestyle shifted towards evangelism that others his friends and family might meet Jesus too. And so that's where we're heading today. How can we start to live an evangelistic lifestyle? But why? Right? Why would we want to do that? Why does this matter? Well, I thought it might be helpful for me to share a little bit of why I will be forever thankful to the people who shared their life and their faith in Jesus with me. So a bit about myself. I'm Andrew. I'm married to Tara and yes, I like to surf, and generally I'm pretty relaxed. In fact, apparently I'm so relaxed that one time on holidays, Tara said to me, Andrew, you're just so relaxed, I can never tell if you actually ever really like something. So yeah, apparently I'm pretty relaxed, except when it comes to people. The most important thing to me has always been people, friends, family, fitting in, being accepted and loved. Growing up, I played soccer and one year I got the Player's Player Award. And the Player's Player Award, like what is it really? Is it the, yeah, well, at least you tried champ award? Maybe, but I decided to take it as the, we liked having you in the team award, which for me was actually heaps more important than being the best player in the team. I'd much rather be liked then be the best, that's how I'm wired. But that comes with pressure and insecurity, You know, feeling like you need to win people over, meet expectations, maintain a reputation. And at times that could be very consuming. At its worst, it could cause sleepless nights, anxiety, and even I think some depression. Because as hard as I'd try to seek approval and gain acceptance, It was always going to be out of my control. But the people who shared their life and faith in Jesus with me showed me something totally different. And what I just could not go past was this idea that Jesus would love me and accept me, not only just as I am, but he would love and accept me, even the very worst of me, and I didn't even have to wonder about that thing. Oh, how does Jesus feel about me today? I knew He'd proven His love in me, for me. By at my very worst, He was prepared to give His life, even in my sin, even my rejection of Him. He yet still chose to save me, and do that by dying in my place. And I'd just never seen or experienced a love. Or acceptance like that anywhere, You know, every other relationship, there's always a bit of give and take. That's natural. But not with Jesus. He loved me the same at my best as at my worst. And he had proven it. And that was just completely life changing. All that pressure, those insecurities in myself, in my relationships with Jesus. I knew where I stood and nothing could change that. And that was not like anything I'd ever known. And that then changed how I related to others too. And I'm sure many of you could share your own story of how Jesus changed your life and why you're forever grateful for those people who share that good news of Jesus with you. And so how, right? We want our friends and family to, to know and receive and experience that good news for themselves. But how do we do it? Well, I wonder if you could relate to this. You know, you're at church, you hear the announcement, hey, we're having this evangelistic event, bring a friend. And instantly you break out into a cold sweat thinking, how am I going to do this? Who am I going to invite? And at that point, some of us might be scratching their head going, well, I don't think I have anyone I could invite. Others might think, well, yeah, I have this mate from work, maybe I could invite them. But then at the same time, you've got this internal voice saying, well, can you really invite them? I mean, you've never even really hung out with them before socially. And now you want to invite them to a church event and to an evangelistic church event. How's that going to work? And I think that's why it's often so hard to invite people and why they can look uncomfortable at times when you do. Because if we've never really hung out socially and now you want me to hang out at a church evangelistic event, it's just going to be so forced and unnatural which is why I'm hoping today to take some of the focus and the pressure off that big, brave, one-off moment to help us break it down into some simple, doable, concrete steps towards living an evangelistic lifestyle. And we're just going to be looking at two steps today to keep it simple. Again, if you want more, check out Sam's podcast. It's excellent. So step one invest in relationships, right? It might be a bit obvious. How do relationships form? They form naturally, organically, whenever you just have frequent, effortless contact. That's the key. That's why it was so easy at school because you saw the same people every day. And so like we saw in Levi's story, it's beginning with, well, where do I have those natural, effortless, frequent contact? where I'm seeing the same people, where it's easy to just catch up. And then it's thinking about those places. It could be at school. It could be at work or uni, your neighbours in the street, you know, people in your soccer team, your gym class, your running group. It's identifying those people and then being intentional, saying day, taking an interest in their life and then starting with something very small, like I want to grab a coffee or go for drinks after work or watch the footy, go for a walk, right? Which, okay, okay I, I, I realize now at this point, some of us might be thinking, oh, this sounds a bit weird. Like now I've got an agenda. I'm just investing people so I can eventually tell them about Jesus. And I hear you in that. That would feel kind of weird and wrong. But this is actually just recognizing that these are people God has already put in our lives who we already have that natural frequent, effortless contact. So primarily we are investing in them because we love them. And that is just the gospel in its most simple form, isn't it? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, In sending Jesus to us, God has made the first moves to love us. And so now we make those first moves to love others so they might receive God's love too. And right now, this is easier and in many ways more important than ever because so many of us long for community. You've probably seen lots of people doing the push-up challenge for mental health at the moment. One of the biggest areas of concern for mental health is loneliness, right? We live in such a Western individualized society, more and more of us are lonely. 60 to 80% 80 of Aussies are saying that they feel isolated. They're saying that they have no friends, no go-to people, no one to hang out with on a Friday night, and I'm sure coronavirus has only heightened all of that. And so I think we want to be people to say, hey, no, you do have someone to go to. I'm here. I, I want to be there for you. Last year, a couple of the boys in my soccer team were heading overseas. And so we, they had a farewell at Cronulla RSL. And when I rocked up, the first thing one of them said to me was, punch, you came. Right? And they were just so stoked. And all I did was just turn up. And I think it's because we've all had that person say to us, you know, yeah, 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 I'll be there. But then they never came. And so when you actually do, it's massive, right? It speaks volumes. They feel loved. They feel important. They feel cared for in that moment. So first simple step is simply just invest in people and relationships. What's next? Is it now you're just looking for your big moment in the conversation to drop the Jesus bomb? In there. And yeah, maybe sometimes that will be totally right. But typically, the next simple, baby, concrete step is just to listen and let them talk. And Sam says in his podcast, it's just the art of conversation, right? What we have to realize is that this person sitting in front of me right now is made in the image of God, they are valuable, they are loved. And they are the most important person in the universe for me right then in that moment. And so all I have to do is act accordingly. You know, take an interest in them, invest time, understanding, empathy, and concern. And it all just starts with a question. How are you going? Right, it's as simple as that. And they'll probably say, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And it's just the art of slowing down and saying, How are you really going? And all you need to do is listen and let them talk. And Sam talks about three types of listening. One, which I'm listening to you, but I'm not really listening. I'm just waiting for my turn to talk. Two, I'm listening to you, but I'm not really listening. I'm just waiting to say how you're wrong. And three, proper listening, where I just listen, and let you talk. And let's be honest, we're probably mostly pretty good at the first two, listening but not really listening, which is why it's then so powerful when someone actually just listens. They don't interrupt you, they don't just wait to jump in and share their story, but they actually just listen and let you talk. It's powerful because it's rare and it's because it's what we all long for to be heard, to be understood, to be loved. And just by listening and letting them talk, you're helping them to feel safe enough to want to keep talking. And it gives them the permission to move the conversation from that safe, like surface level public space to a more private, personal space. And bit by bit, the naturally and organically, the conversation will drift into things like how good, from how good's the weather and how about the footy and what are you doing this weekend to things like values and what's important to me and beliefs and faith. I remember meeting a friend of a friend and we chatted for a bit. Eventually they said they'd been thinking a lot about religion and faith. As I said, oh, do you want to grab a coffee sometime and chat more? And I said, yes, and so we did. And for almost an hour, I heard all about them. And right when I thought the conversation was ending, they said, well, actually, I'm gay. What do you think God thinks of that? And I could have responded with some Bible verses, but I said, oh, thanks for sharing. Can I ask, what do you think God thinks of that? Because it clearly taken them a long time to feel comfortable enough and safe enough to share something that was intensely personal and obviously on the forefront of their mind, but also something that they felt nervous and fearful of how I might respond. And so I just asked questions and listened and let them talk for at least another hour. And because I had taken the time to hear them and to try and understand who they are, I then got to share what I thought Jesus might want them to know and actually then wanted to know more about that. And I don't think that's because I said anything particularly profound, but just because I took the time to listen. You know, I think with so much going on in our world right now, people are kind of sick of the surface level conversation, talking about the weather, the footy, the weekend. Our lives have changed the future's uncertain. We've got questions. We all want to know, where is this heading? What's going on in our world? And many are thinking, well, is there a God? Could I trust him? Could I put my hope in him? And At the moment, all I think it could take is that simple art of slowing down to ask, well, how are you really? To then let the conversation drift into those deeper things of life, and faith, where you might get the opportunity to share how Jesus has changed your life. Like I did a bit earlier in the talk, I think often that's where we lend the conversation towards, to share what Jesus means to me. I hope this has been helpful, a couple of steps towards living an evangelistic lifestyle. And the exciting thing about this is not only will it be life-changing for us, but even better, and so exciting, God willing, this could be life changing for others. Not just life changing, but eternal life changing. And what could be better than that? Nothing, that's so good, so exciting. Let me pray for us as we wrap up. Father, thank you so much for first loving us in sending your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life, the way that he lived, and the way that he lived uh, for people's salvation, putting aside himself to love others and ultimately do that by dying in our place for our sin. We, we want to thank you for this great news. We thank you that it changes. We want to pray that we would be people who share that news with others, not only by our words, but by our actions, our lifestyle, And that that would lead to many conversations where people could come to meet Jesus too. In his name we pray. Amen.